All right, thank you for that. Thank you for all the singing and, and uh, thank you again for being here. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 9 this morning, the verses that, that uh, Brother Daniel read. <clears throat> of course, our theme this year is, now is the time. Now is the time. Uh, last, year, last week I mentioned the doomsday clock, uh, the, the mythical clock they put together of how much time mankind has. I said 100 seconds. I think they just updated it this, this, um, this week, and I, don't, I think it's even less in their estimation. Even the unsaved know, know that we're not headed the right direction, okay? But as Christians, we need to understand the times so that we live appropriately in the times that we live, that we seize the opportunity that God has given us and we understand and we are moved to action and to fulfilling a purpose, if we think about our lives, I would ask you, what moves you? What motivates you? What in your soul is the most important thing to you? What do you get up in the morning for? What is the thing that gives you purpose in life? Someone has said, whatever moves you controls you. Too often, though, for those of us, particularly that know the Lord, we are moved by the wrong thing. There's a lot of people that today that are going to be moved because of certain teams that are playing today. And let me just tell you, I'll just be honest, that doesn't move me at all because both of my teams lost. <laughs> now last week, last year I was seriously moved, brother, too. I'm sorry. Kind of like when your Braves beat the Dodgers. The problem is we have the wrong perspective about what's truly important in the time that we have left to live on this earth. In 1969, when Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin were getting ready to, to go to the moon, and they were going to be the first ones to land on the moon, and Armstrong would be the first one to step on the moon, a reporter went to Armstrong and said, uh, when, you get out of the, when you get out of the ship and you head down in the little lunar module to go to the surface of the moon, how much time in that, little, uh, in that little lunar module, how much time of, of, of air do you have? He goes, we only have about six hours. And the guy asked him a question. He goes, what would happen if you couldn't get the engine started and you knew you only had six hours left? What would you do with your last six hours? And Armstrong said, I'd be working on the engine. It's a matter of perspective. As time is getting short, we don't think, wow, this is all the time we have left. We better make the most of it. We better make the most of it in God's eyes. We better do <coughs> the right things. What is really important in life is just a matter of your personal perspective. In this chapter, <coughs> Matthew chapter 9, of course, the verses we read are the, the most well-known. The events in this chapter happened after Jesus had cast out a, 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 uh, some demons and he'd sent them into a herd of swine and the swine ran off and jumped into the ocean and the people there responded by asking him to leave. They didn't want to have anything to do with him. So he heads to Capernaum. And in this chapter, a bunch of good things happen. There's a bunch of healing and great spiritual victories. He heals a man who could not walk. He then sees Matthew and uh, calls him to follow him, and Matthew does. You say, what's the big deal about that? He was a tax collector, and he followed Christ. He, he, he heals a lady who had an issue of blood for 12 years, and the doctors couldn't help her. He raises a ruler's daughter from 
the dead. He cast a demon out of a man who could not talk and, 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 and restored his speech. These are all the stories in this chapter. Now, I don't know about you. If, if I'm in invested in spiritual things and all these things are happening, that would be really exciting. I'd be thinking about, wow, this is tremendous. Let, let, let's just keep going. This is fantastic. Look what's going on. The crowds were glorifying him, and his name is being spread all over. But he didn't just do that. Look at verse 35. It gives a synopsis of the other things that he was doing. <clears throat> and Jesus went throughout about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. What a great season of ministry. I mean, just thing after thing after thing. And, and the critics are there, and the crit critics are being rebuked by what's going on. And so you think of all these great spiritual victories. People that, were, that needed help were given help. Miracles were happening. Truths were being taught. The enemies were being rebuked. What a great time. By the way, if you have a, 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 spiritual, a spiritual mindset, you want to see people helped. You would like to see miracles happen, things happen that only God can do. We would want to hear the truths that Jesus taught. We would want to see those that, that are against Christ. We would like to see them, not in a bad way, but put in their place. And the truth going out. That would be a moving experience. But as we get to the end of this chapter, we, we see that although Christ rejoiced in those things, that's not what moved him. Let's continue reading, shall we? Despite all that had been done, there was more to do. You see, after all that he had done, all the great things, he noticed that there were still vast numbers of people that needed help. Look at verse 36. <coughs> after all the things that had happened. By the way, they could have called it a day. They could have called it a week. They could have called it a month and said, you know, if I'm a missionary, that'd make a great prayer letter. And I'm not, I'm not knocking that. But look what he said in verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. You see, Jesus didn't look at what had already been done. He looked at the multitudes and said, there's so much more that needs to be done. More people need help. Jesus allowed what he saw to affect him in the right way. I kind of like what Jeremiah did in the book of Lamentations. In Lamentations, verse chapter 1, the whole book, it's after the city had been destroyed because of their sin, and God had allowed Babylon to come in and destroy the city, carry the people captive. He left the poor of the land. The place was in a mess. And Jeremiah comes after that, and Jeremiah is walking through the city, and he sees the destruction, and he sees the people that are left, and, and the problems that they have, and, and the help that they need. And Jeremiah said in Chapter, in, in Lamentations 1.12, he says, Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? Behold and see if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow, which is done unto me, wherewith the Lord hath afflicted me in the day of his fierce anger. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying, I'm walking around this city, and I'm seeing the destruction, and I'm seeing the people in need, and nobody else sees it, and it's not bothering anything. He's like, don't, and really he says, is it nothing to you? He's saying, don't you care? Don't you see it? 
Can't you see that, that there are still needs? That people are being hurt? I hope that we would be like Christ and that we would be moved by the multitudes. That's why we have missions, by the way. I mean, you know, I think we've got a little bit of a footing in our city and we're, we're trying to make a difference. But I'll just be honest with you, we haven't scratched the surface. We could have a building three times the size and if it's full, we've not scratched the surface. And even if we did scratch the surface here, what about the rest of the world? That's what missions is all about. There are places in this world, if someone got up and said, I want to go to church today, I want to hear about this Jesus, they couldn't. They couldn't. That is why we share the gospel. And you say, I'm new, pastor, I don't quite get all this stuff. That's okay, just, you know, hang in there for a week. That's why we go out on Tuesday nights. We could say, look, uh, you know, we're getting full in here and, and all this and like, we're good. Let's just be content with what we have. I'm not content. And by the way, this isn't just about getting big numbers and, and publishing. We don't do that. I could care less about that. But until every person in our area, within our reach, uh, gets the help they need, I think we need to keep going. I think we need to quit being content. And I'll get into the message in a minute, but, but and, and it's, it's, a, it's a little more of a, a missions-type primer. Since I'm not preaching during a missions conference, I'll mention it today. There's people that need help. That's what Jesus thought about. And as Jesus looked, at the, looked around, he saw two things that moved him. Number one, he saw the host that were following. Look at verse 36. And when he saw the multitudes... He was moved with compassion. Now, I wonder what the disciples thought. Like, isn't this cool? I mean, all these things are happening and all these people are following us. Look at this. That's not what Jesus saw. He saw them and he allowed, he looked, he, he looked past the cars they drove. He looked past the clothes they wore. He looked past, and I'm, 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 I'm more modernizing it for us. He looked past where they lived. He looked past if they had smiles on their face. And he looked deeper and saw, look at this multitude. They need help. They were following him. They were there maybe, many of them were there just looky-loos, right? I mean, you know, they didn't have uh, cell phones, internet, all that stuff. And maybe were like, I heard about this Jesus guy. Let's go check this out. I mean, there's this big crowd following and we get all excited. Let's go figure this out. But, but Jesus saw past all of that. Maybe by their attendance, it, it, he saw that they were seeking something. Do you know the world has 8 billion people? Everywhere you go, there are people. There are crowds. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm like you. <coughs> Confess my sin, Ivan. A lot of times that's irritating. You know? You're in a fast food line. And it's like, brother, there's like four cars What's going on? You know, it's like, there have been times like there's two fast food place buyers, like we're going to eat fast food today, we're in a hurry. And, and I'll tell you how I decide which one I go to. I'll look at the lines and like, there's no line at Taco What Bell. And then I eat it and I'm like, that's why there's no line at Taco Bell. I'm so, it's like, that has four cars and that has two. I'm in. My decision is made. We're shopping and you get stuck in a checkout line, right? Come on now. 
the singles, we went to, uh, <coughs> we went to uh, Medieval Times on Friday. So our family, we got there earlier. We went to Porto's next door. How many of you ever heard of Porto's? I felt something. <laughs> oh, I love the Filipinos. They know I like those mashed potato balls. Keep them coming. And like we're waiting in this line, and we're supposed to meet our crowd that's going in there, and we're trying to hurry. And I'm like, they got one cashier. It's like, look, let's double up. It's like, that, isn't that how we are? <laughs> All right, you really want me to step on everybody's toes? I won't even look at you for this one. We're driving on the freeway. Praise God, I'm going to be late today. <coughs> but you know what? Do we ever look at the crowd and say, man, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people that, you know, I wonder where they're going. I wonder if they have a purpose in life. People hide behind smiles, don't they? But I wonder what's going on in their life. The reason Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw the multitude is because the multitude is made up of individuals. Individuals that have many of the same problems and they don't know the solutions. You know, if you've been in church any amount of time, there are things that <coughs> you can deal with in life that because you know a little bit of the Bible that people that have never been in church, they don't get it. It doesn't make sense to them. They've never heard it. Jesus knew the solution, so he wanted to help the multitude that was following. When, where will these people find the answers? Someone asked the great missionary David Livingstone why he went to Africa to share the gospel and give his life, and he said, the love of Christ compels me. Now, now, maybe you're not going to the mission field, but let's just make it real practical. On a Tuesday night, it's more comfortable to stay home. The love of Christ compels us to share. Don't just see people. Think of their needs. Think of their problems. Think of their potential. He also noticed, he said, that they were faint. They weren't just following, they were faint. Because they fainted. Now, in this instance, I'm sure there's a, a point there where it's like physical. They, you know, they didn't just Uber their way to the Jesus meeting. Okay? They didn't drive their cars. They had to walk, and they had to go great distances, and then they got all these things that are going on. They're, long, they're there longer than they, they normally would be. And he saw that maybe they didn't eat or pack food, and, and, and you know, that would make them faint, and they had a long trip home. But that happens in our society as well in different ways and in all walks of society. You look around and you see the homeless and it's like they're nothing but an irritation, really? They're folks who have allowed something to derail, to derail their lives to the point of being destitute. You look at a successful person, well, they have everything. No, they're filling, if they don't know Christ, they're gonna fill their lives with prosperity which will leave them empty. Oh, they may be, look better than the other person, but they're just as empty inside. And really the common person, which is really us, okay? The average person, I hate to use that term, who just basically live their lives making it day to day with no purpose. Just go to work. Get the bills paid. You know, do the things I'm supposed to do and wake up the next day and do it over and over and there's no purpose in their life. No matter how much money, power, or prestige a person has or doesn't have, life has a way of wearing them down. They're faint. And by the way, the Lord wants to give them strength. 
One of my favorite verses, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So that doesn't make sense because it's a spiritual strength to, to get through it. And, and by the way, you always are going to get a, a, a more strength when you know what life is about and you know the purpose of life and you know what you're trying to accomplish. If we know that, you know, Romans 8, 28 is still there, all things work together are good. When we have a tough time, we're going to head straight forward and we're going to keep going because we know God has a purpose in everything that happens. But what about a person that doesn't know God? What about per, uh, someone who their whole life is about what's down on this earth? When things start to go bad, everything is disrupted. Everything is up in the air. By the way, if that's like you, if that's you this morning, you're with us, look, the Lord has something much better for you. He also mentioned they were fearful <coughs> and were scattered abroad. By the way, the, 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 the Bible calls us sheep. I mentioned one time, sheep are dumb animals. And then someone pointed out to me, you like the rams, right? You know a ram is a sheep? Like, seriously? But it's a really smart sheep with a bad attitude. We are. We're sheep. We're dumb. I mean, you're not. You know what I'm saying. We're, we're clueless about things. <clears throat> what scatters animals? Typically, it's fear, isn't it? You see, you see the wildlife, and, and you see the predators, and they're, they're out eating or drinking, and you always see them, you know, the, 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 the antelope or whatever, and they're like, they're, they're like nervous, right? You see them? And like, you know, they're at their tippy toes and they're looking around because the first little, huh, they're gone because they think someone's trying to eat them. Now, you're not like that, but you might be fearful. Fear comes in many flavors. Stress. I'm stressed. What are you stressed about? I just can't handle. I'm fearful that the things I'm trying to handle, I'm not going to make it. We get discouraged. Nothing's going our way, and what's going to happen to me? Anxiety. Anxiety's all over the place. And I'm not, it happens, I get it. And sometimes it's, it's, it's a medical thing, I understand that, but sometimes fear, fear leads us to be anxious. Worry. Bible tells us be careful for nothing. That doesn't mean, like, go for it, dude. I mean, careful, like, worry. Doubt. All of these different things cause us to fear. And I understand that, to be honest with you. How many times does the Bible talk about fear not? Or there's verses that may not say fear not, but alludes to not being afraid. You know why God's telling us that? Because his people have a tendency to fear too. Could you imagine what it's like for someone that doesn't know the Lord? If I'm honest with you, if I was not saved and living the times in which we lived, I would not feel very hopeful. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm telling you from an unsaved standpoint. That is why it is vital we get the message of hope to the hopeless world. We get the message of strength to those who are weak. He also said <coughs> that this multitude was a flock. Look what he says. They were as sheep, not as sheep having no shepherd. As Jesus looked at this crowd, he realized that there's nobody watching out for them. There's nobody guiding them the right direction. Here they are following Jesus because either they wanted to just see this miracle man and see something, or they had some needs and they're like, maybe he has the answer. And they're willing to follow him wherever because people need to be led by someone. 
It's amazing to me the decisions people will make in life and the people or the things they allow to influence them. People are things that should have no authority in their life. Guy came to me years ago. He said, uh, you know, my wife and I are having a few disagreements here or there. I moved out. I'm like, huh? And it wasn't even, he goes, yeah, yeah. My brother said that he did that several years ago and it's the best thing he ever did. Like, what do you think? I'm like, I think you're a knucklehead. Go home right now. We'll work this thing out, but just because somebody thought good idea to move out for a while, bad idea. Anyway, he had, he had enough common sense to go home. But we listen to everything. By the way, Dr. Phil is not the Bible. The only thing good about him is his haircut. He's almost there. Almost there. He's not a, I don't think he's a bad guy. I don't think he's a bad guy. I'm not slamming him. But we get these philosophies that sound good. But let me just ask you, do they match up to the scripture? <clears throat> I want to make sure that the things I'm hearing line up with the truth because I do know that I do trust God. And I think if God says this is the way to do it, I'm going to follow what he says. And if someone's pushing me that way, I'll go for that. But we let everything in this world and by the way, people are not bad. Everybody has a philosophy. You know, you sit in the break room at your work, and here's a guy that's been married four times giving the guy on his first wife, his first wife marriage advice. Well, let me tell you what I do with my old lady. Which one? One, two, three, or four? Well, let me tell you how I handled my kid before he went to jail. You know, like hard pass. And by the way, they're well-meaning, Everybody has their philosophy. I just want to know what God says. Let's not be shepherded by the wrong things. <clears throat> the problem isn't that there's a shortage of shepherds. There's a shortage of spiritual shepherds. We want to listen to society and their values. And let me just say this. I won't even look up at you. I don't want to, I don't want to nitpick. But in our government schools, they're not shepherding our kids the right way. They're not. They're not, and I'll leave it at that. Come back tonight. We're shepherded by social media. Well, so-and-so on social media said this. Okay, they also said that fish was good. Come on. They're wrong. It's like, wow, this, this worked for me. I'm glad it worked for you. But I want to find out what God says. By the way, no one posts the bad things on social media. Hey, I made this decision. It's a train wreck. I'm so happy. We're shepherded by our peers. And by the way, some of you had good, have good peers that, that, that they know some things, and, and they've been spiritual. They've been down the roads. But you younger ones, come on, you haven't even driven around the block. Don't give me a map on how to get there. Okay? I, I want to talk to someone that's been down that road. You know, it's true. Like, we we'll joke with our kids sometimes, like, look, we've forgot more about children than you'll ever know. Okay? And hopefully that's not true. They'll pick up some things. But it's like, you know, everybody knows to, how to do something. Until, I'm an expert on marriage. You're single, man. I was an expert on marriage. You know what happened? I got married, Ivan. And I'm like, I am not an expert. I'm not even a novice. We'll move on. Next, so Jesus saw uh, the hosts that were following. Then he saw, here's really the problem, though. He saw the helpers that were few. That's the issue. Look at verse 37. Then saith he unto the disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, 
but the laborers are few. Pray ye to the Lord of harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. The solution to the problem was as obvious as the problem. If there's a lot of people, and there's a lot of people that need to hear the right message, that need encouragement, that need good friends, then what do we need? We need more people to give the message. We need more people who will give encouragement to get to them. That's what Jesus saw. He said, look at this crowd, and he was moved with compassion, and he told his guys, his disciples, we need help. That's, would, that would make it. He said the laborers really were unaware. He's talking to his guys, and he says, the harvest is plenteous. Because these guys, I guarantee you, as they saw all that Jesus did, they're like, we're really making an inroad here. We really did something of eternal impact. And they did, don't get me wrong. But he didn't want their eyes to get off the fact that what we did today is just a drop in the bucket as to what needs to be done. There's a huge crowd. It's plenteous. He's picturing a harvest. A, a, you look at a harvest field and, and there it all is and it's huge and it's acres and acres and acres and acres. And it's ready. Jesus isn't speaking. He's speaking to his guys. Jesus needed to show his guys that this wasn't just some crowd on a big day. This was a harvest field that needed to be harvested. And I like it. I love when we have our friend day and other days and you all bring your friends and this place is packed out beyond measure but it's like, these are people that need the Lord. These are people that need encouragement. We don't know what we're going, they're going through. You say, I go through some of those same things. Could you imagine what other people are going through as well? You're not the only one. Jesus wanted to make sure his guys saw what he saw. And he was moved. And they were moved like he was moved. Look, the longer you serve God, the, the, the longer you're a Christian, there's something you need to be careful of. Getting so used to your relationship with Christ that you are no longer interested in helping others establish a relationship with Christ. I'm good. I love coming to church. By the way, that's my favorite day of the week, Sunday. I like Thursdays too. I like all the days. But these ones are my, I love coming to church. I like being around God's people. I like being in Sunday school class, particularly the best class in the church, the Filipino class. Used to be Pacific class, but then I got saved, and God moved me to where the spiritual blessings now flow. You say, I don't believe that. Then why do you come down there and eat our food? Boom. Thank you. Thank you. I love it. But let's not, I love reading my Bible. I love all that stuff. But let's not get so, go caught up in what's going on in our life, we forget about others. And you pass them every single day, not just on Tuesdays. Let's not get, he said, let's not be unaware. <coughs> and by the way, whose responsibility is it? It's all of ours if we're saved. But then he said this, not only were they laborers unaware, the laborers were undermanned. He said, but the laborers are few. There's just not enough. There's just not enough. I'll talk to pastors sometimes, they're like, man, we would just be so much better off if we had more laborers. Every church feels that way. Right? How many people do we have in this city? We're pushing 500,000. Although in California, you know, people are fleeing. You know, part of Long Beach is probably in Texas and Florida right now. But, but they're everywhere. 
Of course, the, everywhere you go, the more people you have actually doing something, the, more, the, 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 the bigger is your base and your foundation to reach and help people. If we have 10 people going out sharing the truth of Christ, how much more impact could we have if we had 100 people going out? And we had a good crowd here on Tuesday night. We may have, we may have had over 100 people. I know we have more than that on Saturdays. So, well, that's a good group. I can just stay home and eat bonbons. Bring your bonbons with you. Share. Okay. It's as true as it ever, ever, ever it has, as it's ever been. We need more people. <coughs> See, we can't control whether other people will harvest, but we can control whether we do. Well, is so-and-so going out? I don't know. Why don't you invite them and you show up? All right, we're moving on. And then he said the laborers were unprepared. He said also the laborers that were unprepared. He said, pray ye to the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. You know how you get more laborers? You pray for God to send laborers, right? God, I want more people to go, that'll go out and help people. We need, you know, so by the way, it doesn't make any sense to pray for the harvest. Jesus said the harvest is plenteous. The fields are white. They're ready to go. We need people to go out. Could you imagine if someone were to drive by a cornfield and they saw the all, it was ready. The, the ears of corn were ready to be plucked and they get out of their car and they get on their knees and say, Lord, I pray for the corn to get ripe. It's like, bro, it's, it's ripe already. Okay? You want to pray? Get off your knees, walk and start picking corn and pray while you're picking corn. Pray that God sends more people. And I get it. <coughs> I'm not contradicting what we heard last Sunday night. We need to pray for hearts to be open and all that stuff. But people are everywhere. I think sometimes we want to spend more time praying. Pray as you go out too. God, give me no distractions. Help me find somebody. But we need to go. Why, why would it be effective to ask God to send laborers into the harvest? You want to know why? Because he said that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. It's not our harvest. Those, those are the people God wants to reach. It's his field. That is why <coughs> at our church, we're not trying to build a name for ourselves. I really could care less about any of that. Well, do people know you? I don't know. I don't know them. I mean, they made a mistake. They put my, I think they put my picture on the track this time. I'm like, don't do that. That scares people. They look at it and say, wow, I don't look as good as that guy. I probably shouldn't go. Okay. I think it's the other way. I don't know. But it's like, look, you know what I want? I just want to go. I want us to work together. I want us to make an impact somewhere, somehow. I want to see people who, who, whose lives are a wreck and, and they're confused about what's going on in life and they come here and, and they find the gospel and they trust Christ and God starts to work in their life. That's what I want to see. I don't care who gets the credit. Let's just go do it. It's not about credit. Well, I want to be the sole winner of the year. We'll let God figure that out. Why don't you be the helper of the year? There is so much we can do. But we have to say, listen, the harvest, they need us. Now, here's the question, and we're done. <coughs> and I'm not going to say that four times, okay? My question is very simply, do you see it? Christ saw it. He didn't let 
what was going on around him keep him from seeing what still needed to be done? Now, maybe you're here and say, Pastor, you know, I still need help in my life. God's here, and God will work on you, but why he's working on you, why don't you go encourage somebody else? We need to give. As we think about missions, we need to give so that we have resources to go to harvest, but we need to go and to actually do the harvest, and as we're doing all of that, we need to pray that God will encourage others to be a part of the harvest. What about you? You say, Pastor, I'm coming because this is good for me. Keep coming. It's good for me too. And I understand where you're at. I was there. But regardless of where you're at, if you're going forward for God, there's someone you can help. Say, I don't know what to do. Grab some tracks and hand those things out. When we have our our missions conference, be open to what God has for you. And some of you, you singles in here, you're hiding from God. I know it. You are. You're hiding from God. Quit hiding. Unless, God, what do you want me to do? I'll give. God doesn't want me to do any of that, but I will pray for our missionaries, and I will give so we can support these missionaries that are going out to the world. We've got to see it, though. Or else, you know what? We won't give a thing. Because we see our life, and it's all good, and I'm walking with Jesus, and it's wonderful, and we don't care about anybody else. Let us not be like that. We've never been like that. And as long as I'm the pastor, I'm going to push us not to be like that. I don't want to have anything to do with that. If you want to get like that, find somebody else. I'm done. But we're not. And I'm thankful for a church like that. Let's bow our head and close our eyes just for a minute, please, if we may. (coughs) I'm not just trying to get us ready for missions conference, although that's part of it. Missions revival. I'm just trying to get us ready (coughs) for reaching and helping the multitude. And I know you'll get on the freeway today and you're going to be irritated when you hit traffic in the middle of nowhere on a Sunday. But can we look at people and think, you know what? That's somebody that Jesus loved enough to die for. They may be driving a nice car, but I wonder how their marriage is. I wonder how their family's going. I wonder if they have purpose in life or are they frustrated? Do they need someone just to say, God loves you? There's a better way. Well, who's going to tell them that? I'm sorry. I can only tell so many people. Our our staff can only say that to so many people. We need to all say that. We need to see the harvest. It's ready. We need to see people. They're needy. Maybe you're here this morning. (coughs) Before I open the invitation, let me say this. Maybe you don't know Christ I don't mean this in a bad way, but you're part of the harvest that needs to be harvested, and you can be harvested this morning. God loves you. Jesus came to die for your sin so you can go to heaven. Let me ask you this this morning with nobody looking around. If you were to die today, are you 100% for sure that you would go to heaven, or would you have some doubts? If you would say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not 100% for sure if I were to die today, I'd go to heaven, but that's something I'd like to take care of. Pastor, Would you pray for me with nobody looking around? Just raise your hand quickly until I see it. Put it down. Anybody at all? Let's stand together if we may. Did God speak to you this morning? Can we look at people and see people from Jesus' perspective? Instead of letting them be a source of irritation, can they be a motivation for compassion and for caring? You can't talk to the wrong person. 
This church is for everybody. Well, you know, Pastor, we got nice buildings now. I don't want to, sorry, that's not how it works. I'm glad they took me into church because I look like a train wreck. I acted worse. Somebody care. What about you this morning? Piano's going to play. If God spoke to you, why don't you come? I know we all have our life to live. We all have the things we have to take care of. But in the midst of our days, in the midst of us taking care of the things we need to take care of, can we love people? Can we care about people? Why well, disagree with them politically? That, well, that's not the question. Do you love people? Do you care about what's going on in their life?